the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, good afternoon, everyone. What a... My dad, my father, who we miss all the time, Tom DePietro, would say, what a bonus day this is. And it is a bonus day, without question. Folks, right now, the temperature, and I am glad the report is just heard in the forecast. How about that? Over 60 degrees on this Monday. Over 60 degrees on this Monday. And you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Boy, what a nice, as he would say, bonus day. December 6th, 60 degrees. Good day to get outside, uh, see different people, be active. We don't have any snow on the ground, anything like that. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, this portion of our program, is brought to you by J.K.L. Engineering. Now, remember, whether you're listing in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, J.K.L., call them today, 401-351-7600, 401-351-7600, J.K.L. Engineering. Reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market. Called JKL. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today. 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. JKL Engineering. 55 years experience, 55 years in the business. Call JKL. 401-351-7600. Now, again, remember... They're licensed in Rhode Island or Massachusetts. So as you're listening to me on this Monday, maybe you say, but Juan, I live in Bellingham or I live in Franklin or where have you uh, or Rentham or Attleboro or North Attleboro. Call JKL 401-351-7600. Now, obviously, if you live in Lincoln or Cumberland or Burville or Smithfield, what have you, anywhere you can hear my voice, JKL. KL. How about that? Reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's JKL Engineering. Well, folks, again, I want to encourage you to visit the website, depetro.com. We have big news, and uh, we had talked about this, but in, um, in the murder investigation into the young woman from Warwick, 24 years old, who just happened to, she did nothing wrong. Her name is Maya. Brophy Behrman did nothing wrong. She was the victim of a gang drive-by shooting. She's not in a gang. And it was on August 1st, and there is now a $100,000 reward for information that leads to the arrest and conviction of those available. There's plenty of information on the website, which is petro.com. So, where are we on this Monday uh, December 6th. Well, I, 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 a story that continues to be huge news is obviously with what happened with Chris Cuomo. And Chris Cuomo, the Cuomos are going, you know, scorched earth with this whole thing. The Cuomos are, Chris Cuomo's going after the people at CNN. Chris Cuomo's going after, uh, you know, anyone. They, they certainly don't go quietly. But uh, the Cuomos are, are definitely... Well, the brother, you know, the brother's out, but uh, Chris Cuomo is now going to go after a guy that was uh, basically protecting him at, um, at at CNN, a guy by the name of Jeff, Jeff Zucker. Also, let me just see this um, correctional officer in Rhode Island accused of having sex with inmates. They arrested 36-year-old Justin Toy of Thompson, Connecticut. Three counts, uh, sexual relations with inmates. No details available. Uh, court at a later date. You know, that's it's one of those things they don't like to... I know the correctional people, they don't like to hear about that, and a lot of people accuse them of things like that, but um, there was a period of time that... And we don't know uh, that much more about it, but that is news. But I want to um, also touch on the fact that... And this is a little bit inside... A little bit inside, but Blake Filippi, who I like a lot, and he's the House Minority Leader, he has announced he's not running for Governor of Rhode Island as a Republican. And 
where where that is problematic um i don't i don't particularly buy what the republican party is saying um you know you don't want anybody to leave an office because i just don't think they're accomplishing anything uh at the rhode island state house the the donors uh the the republicans just seem to be you know uh, as i've said sometimes they're they're like the washington generals uh, compared to the globetrotters uh jesse smollett now in the stand in his own defense boy i didn't know about that boy that's new um childhood let me see folks if i can uh Found find a sound of that. I wouldn't mind listing a little bit. Jesse Smollett has apparently taken the stand in his trial. Now, the only thing about that is, um, I I think because of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, he now thinks that oh, I can do that, and I'm not I'm not convinced of that. So let me. See. I just want to. I know we're live. Um, let me see if I can find if one of the Chicago stations has him uh, has a sound of him basically on the uh, on the stand. So they're all running with it that he's on the stand, but I'm just trying to find who might have the actual news feed. Um, let me let me just uh, see. So he's taken the stand in his own defense, and I want to see if, in fact, I think a Chicago station hopefully has a live feed of it, because I'd like to hear this a little bit. I don't think it's going to go the way that he thinks it's going to go, meaning Jesse Smollett. Now, again, he starts off with his defense attorneys. He starts off with his defense attorneys um, questioning him, but the the real situation is going to be um, when when the prosecutors go after him. So having a tough time, I'm not sure if we uh, see that. All right, so we're going to come back to that. So, folks, right now it's one thirteen. Uh, unless I can find it, I'll see if I can uh, find it. I would like to think that somebody is going with it. I would hope. I don't know why they would not have video of that, of him on the stand. I'd certainly like to hear him. Uh, but the, the good part may be when he's being cross-examined by the, the prosecutors. So that, that could be when, he, um, when everything starts to fall apart, I believe, because no one believes his story. No one, and I mean nobody, believes his story. So, all right, folks, I want to bring you up to speed on some of the other news. Now, obviously, the variant is big, and that has um, dominated a lot of the news. Blake Filippi not running. I disagree with what they're saying, uh, simply because I don't think they're accomplishing anything at the Rhode Island State House. As I've told you folks, I mean, I believe instead of trying to be the Washington generals and have the Democrats that control the Rhode Island State House just roll right over them all the time. I think that they should kind of do what uh, Patricia Morgan has done, which is um, really highlight a lot of the the uh, more cultural type issues. But I just want to play. This is different with these. They're charging these parents. In um, charging the parents in uh, with the school shooting, I want to hear this. The prosecutor was on. Good morning, America. This morning, we saw Mr. Crumley shaking his head right there. Why don't you lay out the case against the parents? Good morning. Uh, it's it's somewhat unique to charge parents, but in this case, there was such overwhelming evidence. I do want to point out these are merely allegations. They are innocent until proven guilty. Um, and I am um, ethically bound only to release the uh, uh, facts that have already been made public in the swear to in open court. However, there was there is evidence to suggest that they purchased that weapon for their 15-year-old, um, bragged about it online, thought this was some joyous occasion as a, as a present, and in combination with 
mom's social media post, son's social media post, the gun was his and he had free access to it. Uh, um, and then the signs there, so such warning signs. The, the day before about the ammunition, mom's lack of concern. In fact, she seems to be encouraging that behavior. And then, of course, that, that morning with the meeting um, where the, the drawing and the, um, the notes were found, um, it's, it just goes beyond any sort of mere negligence or mistake. It, it, it's it's criminal. You said the gun was stored unlocked when you announced the charges last week. Their defense attorney says it was locked. Are you positive it was unlocked? And would it change your case if it was indeed locked? He had access. So whether it was locked or not, uh, he had access to it. Securing a weapon doesn't mean just locking it. If you're going to just allow um, a, a minor or somebody you think might be dangerous free access to um, unlock it. So, um, no, I, I'm not positive because, you know, we were still, these are just allegations, but the evidence shows at this point that he absolutely had free access to that weapon. And in fact, it was, it was purchased for him. Wow, that is um, really, really amazing about the parents and i actually folks because it's so different i actually want to play it's it goes a little bit longer than that i want to play the full this is george stephanopoulos with the prosecutor this morning on good morning america good morning uh it's it's somewhat unique to charge parents but in this case there was such overwhelming evidence i do want to point out these are merely allegations they are innocent until proven guilty um and i am um ethically bound only to release the uh uh, facts that have already been made public in the swear to in open court. However, there was there is evidence to suggest that they purchased that weapon for their 15-year-old, um, bragged about it online, thought this was some joyous occasion as a as a present, and in combination with mom's social media posts, son's social media posts, the gun was his, and he had free access to it, uh, um, and then. The signs there, so such warning signs. The the day before about the ammunition, mom's lack of concern. In fact, she seems to be encouraging that behavior. And then, of course, that that morning with the meeting um, where the the drawing and the um, the notes were found, um, it's it just goes beyond any sort of mere negligence or mistake. It. It, it's it's criminal. You said the gun was stored unlocked when you announced the charges last week. Their defense attorney says it was locked. Are you positive it was unlocked? And would it change your case if it was indeed locked? He had access. So whether it was locked or not, uh, he had access to it. Securing a weapon doesn't mean just locking it. If you're going to just allow um, a, a minor or somebody you think might be dangerous free access to um, unlock it. So, um, no, I, I'm not positive because, you know, we were still, these are just allegations, but the evidence shows at this point that he absolutely had free access to that weapon. And in fact, it was, it was purchased for him. Are the parents cooperating? I can't make any statement about uh, either defendant and whether or not they've made statements. I can just tell you that this is a terrible tragedy. And at some point, we have to acknowledge that all of the training and all of the, um, the, the events that we lead to kids, teaching them to hide under desks and what to do in an active shooter situation is really important. And in this case, everything was done uh, perfectly, except that four kids were still murdered and um, several others injured, not to mention the hundreds of other kids who were in that school and will, their lives will never be the same, nor will the community. Um, so that the, the parents are responsible um, and I think that they should be held accountable. None of that would have happened if he had not had access to that a handgun. That is clearly true, but there were also a lot of other warning signs as well. Any chance the school could face charges? I, that's 
has not been presented to our office. I, uh, that's an investigative um, process that I'll lead to law enforcement. I can tell you that there is outrage in the community. I can tell you that we all should be looking at the events that led up to that horrific event. And, and as a community, as a school, as, as a nation, talk about what, what could have been, what, what we could have done different so that didn't happen. And in this case, a lot could have been done different. I mean, that, that meeting, he was allowed to go back to school. We know that he either had that weapon with him or someplace where he could have um, stored it in the school, but he had it in the school. There's no question. And uh, leaving the decision to parents about whether he goes home or not. I mean, I just want to point out, too, I mean, you can't even in an airport mention anything that even remotely indicates that there might be some sort of violence on a plane. You'll be immediately extracted. And yet we have a kid who is, as you reported, saying some pretty concerning things, and he was allowed to go back to school, and, and neither parent uh, mentions that he has access to a weapon. And that, it, that's, it's just, it's not just tragic. It's not just um, disappointing. I believe it's criminal. You know, this is, um, folks, and again, good afternoon. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This, um, that, that is really remarkable. But I, I think what makes that case, in this case, so different is just the fact the more we've learned that the parents almost seemingly knew that this boy had access to the weapon and possibly even bought it for him. Now, what is the latest with Chris Cuomo? Again, let me go to, this was a package on Good Morning America. Good morning to you, TJ. It's unclear if those accusations factored into CNN's decision to fire Chris Cuomo, but his ouster is a dramatic about-face for the network that defended him for months. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. This morning, Chris Cuomo out of a job at CNN. The network firing its primetime anchor over the weekend over involvement in his brother Andrew Cuomo's response to sexual harassment allegations. Chris Cuomo addressing the controversy last March. Obviously, I'm aware of what's going on with my brother. And obviously, I cannot cover it because he is my brother. Now, of course, CNN has to cover it. They have covered it extensively and they will continue to do so. I have always cared very deeply about these issues, and profoundly so. As news broke of his dismissal from CNN, Cuomo tweeting, This is not how I want my time at CNN to end, but I have already told you why and how I help my brother. But now, new allegations of sexual misconduct emerging against Chris Cuomo from a junior staffer at another network. An attorney for the woman who also represents one of Andrew Cuomo's accusers saying, hearing the hypocrisy of Chris Cuomo's on-air words and disgusted by his efforts to try to discredit these women, my client retained counsel to report his serious sexual misconduct against her to CNN. A spokesperson for Chris Cuomo saying in a statement, if the goal in making these false and unvetted accusations was to see Mr. Cuomo punished by CNN, that may explain his unwarranted termination. Cuomo suspended indefinitely by the cable giant last week after new documents released by the New York Attorney General's office revealed he used media sources to press for information on the women accusing the former New York governor. The network now saying, based on the report we received regarding Chris's conduct with his brother's defense, we had cause to terminate. When new allegations came to us this week, we took them seriously and saw no reason to delay taking immediate action. And the former governor now faces a federal probe by the Department of Justice. CNN has not yet named a replacement for Chris Cuomo's coveted time slot. Robin? Well, they are going to go with uh, Michael Smokanish, who is just going to get crushed. Uh, This thing is not going to go away anytime soon as far as CNN and Cuomo. Now, the latest on the variant. What are we to believe as it's starting to spread across the United States? Here we go. Robin, good morning. Health officials are closely following the spread of the Omicron variant across the country. Here in New York, dozens of people tested positive for COVID after attending an event at this convention center. 
This morning, health officials on alert as the Omicron variant spreads across the country with cases reported in at least 17 states. We know we have, um, you know, several dozen cases and we're following them closely and we are every day hearing about more and more probable cases. So that number is likely to rise. 30-year-old Peter McGinn from Minnesota is one of those cases being monitored. He tested positive for the Omicron variant. McGinn is fully vaccinated and received a booster. He attended an anime convention in New York City in late November. After flying home, he learned that one friend he went to the convention with tested positive for COVID. I was just a little taken back to the fact that I, A, had COVID and B, was the new one. McGinn believes that he contracted the new variant not at the convention itself, but events after, when he and a group of about 30 people, also vaccinated, got together. Now, half of that group has tested positive for COVID. I felt perfectly safe with the people that I was with, and so it never really crossed my mind to think that I had COVID. So um, it was more like those events outside of the con where I believe that um, the, the transmission took place. It's unclear if the Omicron variant will be more severe or spread faster than the Delta variant. We really got to be careful before we make any determinations. But thus far, the signals are a bit encouraging regarding the severity. But officials stress that all eligible Americans roll up their sleeves and get that booster shot. Meanwhile, in Louisiana, thousands being tested after a COVID outbreak on a week-long international cruise. At least 17 confirmed cases on the Norwegian breakaway. The cruise ship company is saying in a statement in part, in addition to requiring that 100% of guests and crew are fully vaccinated, we have implemented quarantine, isolation, and contact tracing procedures. Robin. Well, you know, folks, you're going to continue to hear uh, more and more about that. That obviously is going to be the the big story that um, without question. Oh, okay. Um let me see. Someone is saying, Freddie is saying that you can find Jesse Smollett on uh, on YouTube. I will try to find that. Let me also just say, um, oh, okay. Wow. I'm glad to hear that. Boy, the Christmas trees are really flying this year. Folks, stop in. PR Landscape Materials and Garden Center. Without question, they um, people want a, uh, people obviously want a a real tree so let me just find out if uh so stop in and see them rhode island's number one garden center and they are on they are on uh they are on facebook as well all right um let me just see right now is this to intensify as more witnesses take a stand to recount the events oh. of a night. All right, so that's not happening. Let me find folks. I want to just see if we can find him um, inside the... I wanted to go inside the Jesse Smollett trial, but right now I do not see a, a live feed for it. So we'll continue to look for that. So right now it's one twenty nine. Good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. I want to also, um, boy, that was a bad accident on 146. Holy cow. Woonsocket man killed the Route 146 crash. Whew. Look at the traffic backed up there. Fatal crash on 146. That happened 940 last night. Let me just play the uh, the quick story on this. Um, let me just double check. Boom, boom, boom. Here it is. Okay, this is uh, news on that fatal crash. In Uxbridge Saturday night. We're told traffic was at a standstill for at least 20 minutes while authorities worked to put out the blaze. Massachusetts State Police identifying the man as 35-year-old Jonathan Marmol. Preliminary investigation shows that he was driving south when he crossed into the northbound side of the highway and hit another vehicle. The other driver was taken to the hospital with minor injuries. That crash is being investigated. Well, that is, again, if you were stuck in that, you know what's one of the problems is when, especially when it's a Sunday night, and again, good afternoon, folks, it's one thirty, 
It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. Um, what is, uh, what is uh, alarming is uh, on something like that, when you're just stuck in traffic and it's a Sunday night, I don't, I don't know where you even where you go to try to, you know, uh, try to find out exactly what's going on. Because it's not, I, I would imagine that's why the, the, you have so many of the successful apps that um, where, you know, it's a traffic app. But other than that, it can be very, very difficult. And, and I want to point out, I just don't think you can, um, you, you just can't find out like how long am I going to be stuck in this in this traffic. I mean, that's the part that I think that would be the uh, the most challenging. So I want to just um, see again. I, he was not. We didn't know he was going to take the stand. It's tough to try to find a live feed. People are providing uh, updates, but not a direct feed from from hearing him on the stand. So that is something we want to get to. I also want to um, let me get to uh, Jen Saki is giving a live briefing right now from the White House, and I want to uh, I want to tap into that a little bit, folks, because there's certainly an awful lot of questions right now with the president. How long is uh, the supply chain problem going to go? Let's dip in a little bit and go live to the White House. Expensive and more accessible, right? Uh, every country is going to do that differently. And I was just noting that, again, our tests go through the FDA approval process. That's not the same process. that it, it doesn't work that way in every single country. But what we're working to do here is build on what we've done to date and continue to build out our testing capacity. Because, Mara, we absolutely recognize that this is a key component of fighting the virus. Go ahead. Okay, Jen. Um, I'm Rasha Bird. You said that the goal is to prevent Putin from invading. So what is President Biden willing to threaten this phone call will happen if Russia invades, just beyond more sanctions? Well, again, I think that it's not about threats. It's about conveying that uh, the right path forward here is through diplomacy. Uh, in the meantime, uh, on financial sanctions, we've consulted significantly with our allies and believe we have a path forward that would impose significant and severe harm on the Russian economy. You can call that a threat. You can call that a fact. You can call that preparation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that is something we've talked about publicly, and certainly the president would convey that as well. Is President Biden prepared to warn that there's the possibility of U.S. military involvement if Russia invades Ukraine? Again, I'm not going to get ahead of the president's conversation, but that is not our first objective. I would note um, that uh, in the past, if you look back at 2014, that uh, one of the outcomes here, uh, if they were to decide to move forward, is that the uh, other countries in the eastern flank, uh, in many of them NATO partners, will be looking for reassurance from the United States. That's something that was a follow-up to 2014. I'm not sure that is what Russia wants to see, but that would be a natural consequence if they were to move forward as well. Um, and then on China, did the White House consider going a step further and barring U.S. athletes from participating in the games? I'm not going to get into additional considerations. All I can convey to you is where we landed and the decision that was made and why. And why did you make that particular decision? Why not bar U.S. athletes? Why not go further and bar U.S. athletes from the games? Because not sending a U.S. delegation sends a clear message that we cannot conduct ourselves with business as usual, that we are not in a state where business as usual is appropriate at a time where there are human rights abuses that we have been outspoken about, that we have taken actions on, and we feel this sends a clear message. At the same time, uh, we believe U.S. athletes, people who have been training, uh, giving up a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, preparing for these Olympics, should be able to go and compete, and we look forward to cheering for them from home. Go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead. Thank you, Jen. Um, on the violent crime spike that we've been seeing, um, there was fashion grab robberies, there was the pretty alarming murder in the wealthy Hollywood neighborhood last week, and then uh, an attack, a, a violent robbery in Pacific Palisades on Friday. This is sort of similar to the crime spike that we saw over the summer, and one of the president's biggest uh, pushes to address that was the DOJ strike teams that were sent out to those five cities. It was D.C., New York, Chicago, L.A., and San Francisco. Since those strike forces were assembled in July, have they accomplished anything? 
Look, I think we sent those uh, strike forces in part because of the spike in gun violence, something that continues to be a concern. And we sent them, uh, the Department of Justice, I should say, sent them in order to work in partnership and in, law, in lockstep with law enforcement on the ground. We've also recently taken steps. Uh, the Justice Department, the FBI, and federal law enforcement have been working with local jurisdictions, especially areas like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and others where we've seen a rash of break-ins to offer their assistance and provide assistance through multi-jurisdictional task forces. Uh, we know that we've seen over the course of time, while we'll let other people determine what the cause and effect is, we know we've seen an increase in crime over the course of the pandemic. We've seen that timeline. What the president's been focused on doing is working to ensure there's funding to support local cops, to support local jurisdictions, to ensure that a law enforcement at a federal level is a partner, both in the short and long term, to address either these spikes in crimes or, uh, or gun violence, which is an ongoing concern, and to ensure there's adequate funding in the budget. So that's what we are working to do. The Department of Justice, I'm sure, can provide you an update on the strike forces. Are you talking about the funding in the Build Back Better president's proposed budget, which is an increase uh, significantly over what former President Trump proposed. So are you saying that passing this spending plan would address crime that, that way? Well, I'm saying that it, it, passing the president's budget, which is something obviously we want to get to next year, since we could only uh, get to a short-term uh, CR, has significant increase in, in funding to support police departments, support the fighting of crime, and a significant increase from former President Trump, and something president supports. And then, is there any concern that not having an ATF nominee while all this is going on is somehow leaving a vulnerability or a gap in leadership? Well, uh, I think our collective view here is that uh, the blocking of a fully qualified, experienced former ATF agent uh, from serving in that role uh, certainly is something Republicans didn't have to take the step to do, but here we are. So we have to nominate a new person, and uh, when we're uh, when the president finds the right person, I'm sure he'll, he'll be prepared to do that. But again, we could have had a nominee, uh, somebody who was qualified, ready to, and prepared to serve in that role, confirmed and working. And real quick, I just want to ask about the Washington Post article. There's another article that's come out after a string of articles detailing dysfunction in Vice President's office. Um, and then the Director of Operations put out a tweet today talking about how much he loved his job. Uh, there was a similar sort of social media push this summer following some negative headlines uh, about ongoings in the Vice President's office. Did anybody ask the Deputy Director to put out a positive tweet today or was that all him? I'm not aware of any asks for a positive tweet or a specific tweet. I would point you to the vice president's office, but uh, I work with a number of people in the vice president's office who certainly are looking forward to continuing their jobs. Go ahead. Ken, did President Biden give President Xi any kind of a heads up about his intention and decision making with this diplomatic boycott? When they spoke a few weeks ago? The Olympics were not a topic of discussion during that call. Will he? Will there be any conversations between the two governments explaining the decision? Certainly lower level than, than uh, President Biden. Uh, they were made aware of the decision. And on the call tomorrow with President Putin, the president says he expects it will be a long one. Of course, tensions with Ukraine will be a major topic of discussion, but not the only one. How much time do you anticipate will be devoted to that versus the follow-ups from the Geneva summit on strategic stability and cybersecurity? Well, we, we certainly expect Ukraine to be a major topic of discussion during the conversation, uh, but there are other topics uh, that we also expect to receive some attention. So, and I understand the desire for an understanding of the breakdown. I expect we'll have a better breakdown once the call actually happens that we can provide to all of you tomorrow. And finally, just on COVID, Dr. Fauci said yesterday the Africa travel bans are being evaluated on a daily basis, that it's possible the policy could end at any time. So what would the White House need to see happen in order to lift those bans? It wouldn't be the White, it would be a recommendation from Dr. Fauci and the health and medical experts that we should uh, pull back those travel restrictions, and that's something that's being evaluated and discussed on a daily basis. Back on Ukraine, just to distill it down to a couple of important terms of art, does the president view the, the current territorial integrity of Ukraine as a vital national security interest of the United States?
would say, of course, we view the uh, territorial integrity of uh, Ukraine as a vital interest, global interest for the global community. Um, and it is our, of our interest to ensure their stability across Europe. Um, but I'm not going to give further definition to it. Okay. So, but, but if the answer is yes, it means one thing. If the answer is no, it means... Well, I, I don't... I, I think you're asking this and sort of you want a yes or no answer. And I would say foreign policy is a little more nuanced than that. So keep going. What's your next question? Next question has to do with the return of the Migrant Protection Protocol yep. the Mexico program. Immigrant rights advocates say that uh, the idea that the United States government is going to be able to facilitate lawyers for migrants who want them is an empty promise. What can you say to assure those people that, in fact, you live by the commitment? Well, I would say first to all of these people that it is not our preference to be re-implementing and re-instituting the Migrant Protection Program uh, we, protocol. Uh, we are doing that uh, because of uh, court order and legal uh, requirement to do so, and that we have put in place a number of changes to make uh, from the Department of Homeland Security to uh, improve some humanitarian components. Uh, but we still feel that the program is inefficient, inhumane, and we are not. Uh, we were. We, we were, did not eagerly re-implement. Implemented, I should say. Um, but in terms of uh, people who are skeptics, we are absolutely committed to uh, doing everything we can as we are required by court order to implement this, to take steps to ensure that there are, uh, that we are injecting additional humanitarian considerations and providing uh, the assistance that we have, that we have promised to people who are participating in the program. That the negotiation does not make any progress? Well, every president has a range of options. Uh, I'm not going to outline those from here. Our, our approach, our, our desire continues to be a diplomatic path forward. The last rounds of meetings were disappointing, uh, and Iran did not come to the table prepared to make progress on the sixth round of negotiations. All of the negotiators are back at home having consultations. I'll let them do that and give them the space to do that. Uh, go ahead. Um, I have a couple questions. Sure. First, just to go back to Bill Backbender, obviously we know that the president is talking about first sanctions in that bill uh, in a few minutes, but, you know, I think the, the big question is still, the, you know, where Senators Cinema and Manchin are on this. It has been for months at this point. Um, as, as the president and senior staff work on negotiating with them, are they confident that, that, that something can actually get done in, in these next couple of weeks with those individual people? I know overall the committees can do their work, but it's still business. There's been this, these sticking points um, for quite some time, and they don't they haven't seen it in their in their public uh, comments recently to really be yielding all that much. Um, so how do you handle that from here? And is the president planning on speaking or having them either of those senators uh, over in the in the next couple of days? We have been in close touch with a range of senators, including the ones you mentioned, uh, at a senior staff level, and I expect that will continue. Uh, and of course, Leader Schumer certainly understands and knows that you need the vast, the majority, every single Democrat, in order to successfully move forward with a vote. But in the meantime, uh, he is leading the effort to do important preparations to get to that point. And obviously, the president is highlighting uh, the components of the package on prescription drugs that lower the cost, uh, that ensure that people who are uh, the millions of Americans who are dealing with covering the cost of insulin don't have to uh, choose between that and food or or share insulin with, with other people, as some of the stories I'll outline today will tell you. Uh, but in terms of what individual senators will do or where they are, I, I really, they have to speak for themselves. Um, the Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court is holding its final yeah. meeting tomorrow um, to vote on, on their report that will go to the president. Um, what are your plans for how the president will and the, and the White House staff will process that information and then respond to it? Will, you know, that, that came from an executive order with a 180-day timeline. So will there be a shorter timeline for an evaluation of this? I think that you're seeing just uh, since the, the oral arguments last week on, on abortion, um, a lot of concern uh, among a lot of people on the Democratic side the court uh, and you know how are you how are you going to kind of respond and, and move forward on those issues well 
so as you noted, um, later this afternoon uh, it will be posted, and then there'll be a meeting, and they, they will uh, tomorrow, I believe, um, and that will be the next step in the process. The president will then get the report, uh, and we'll have time to review the report. But I don't have a timeline for how long it will take him to review the report. I would remind you all, it's not a recommendations that he either accepts or denies. He asked this diverse group of um, of experts uh, from a range, uh, from across the political spectrum, uh, from across the viewpoint spectrum to look at and assess a range of, of issues that have long been discussed and debated uh, by court experts, whether it is how uh, cases are taken up or the length of individual justices serving or court expansion, and to assess and provide uh, a review of that, not to make, again, here are the five recommendations, accept them or deny them. So that's the next st step. It will be posted. Uh, you all will see it. And then uh, in terms of when, when, how, and when the president will review it and what that means, I, I will give him the space to do that. Okay. There's no, there's no kind of plan at this point of how. Folks, again, this is live at the White House. White House briefing with Jen Psaki. I don't think we're going to set a timeline for what the, that looks like um, and what it will mean after that. Go ahead. Thanks for, thanks for not the Biden administration today put out a big report about addressing corruption. I want to ask you two quick and hopefully pretty easy questions about that. Um, shortly after President Biden's uh, virtual meeting with the Chinese president, uh, the first son's attorney said that he has finally invested from a Chinese investment fund controlled by state-owned entities. I was hoping you could commit to uh, basic transparency about that transaction, including the name of the buyer, the dollar amount, and the timing. And the second question is, my colleague Miranda Devine has a new book out called uh, The Laptop from Hell, and I was hoping that you could confirm that the laptop is indeed authentic um, and not Russian disinformation, as you seem to suggest on Twitter last year. Well, uh, on the first, uh, the president's son is not an employee of the federal government, so I'd point you to his representatives. And as it relates to the book, I have neither, neither had the time nor interest in exploring or reading the book. Go ahead, the Tina. Attorney go ahead, Tina. I, I think I answered your question. Go ahead. You, you can go to the representative of the person who's not an employee of the federal government. Go ahead, Tina. I think we have to move on. Go ahead. Anything the White House is doing to help parts of the U.S. where we're seeing hospitals that are overwhelmed again with Delta variants like parts of Massachusetts? And New York, is there any, any help that can be sent out to help them? Let me check on it specifically. What we have done over the past, and I suspect we're doing now, but I just don't have the information in front of me, is working with state public health officials to ensure we are sending uh, surge resources to them. Because as we've talked about a fair amount in here, it's not just the vaccines, to your point. It's ensuring that there are health and medical experts as needed, additional resources. Sometimes it's um, you know uh, medical needs or medical equipment needs. And we've been really surging those on an as-needed basis. So so I will check and see on Massachusetts if there's anything in addition. Absolutely, we're concerned. As should millions of Americans be, um, and that is an area that is a part of the president's Build Back Better agenda, and why he and we are so eager to get it done. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. You said in response to Ashley of the president's belief that democracy is always a work in progress and that you have to push yourself to do better as well as pushing other people to do better. So what does the president believe the United States needs to do better? Well, I think first, uh, when the president took office, um, he one of his key objectives is restoring trust and faith um, in not just government, but in institutions, uh, and uh, doing that in a range of ways. Uh, that means not only respecting and valuing the freedom of press and media here and around the world, uh, it also means ensuring we are speaking out against human rights and ensuring we are taking steps to address corruption around the world. We just put out a major report on corruption today, too, in advance of the democracy summit. So what I was getting at, I think, is, and I think why you were asking, is that um, it is not, you know, we are continuing to... Uh, Folks, again, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You've been listening to, this is the White House Press Briefing Live. This portion of our program brought to you by The Lodge, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in and see them. There's a great meal waiting for you. Unique rustic, rustic setting. Check out that new deck. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill, a Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. And remember, online, thelodgepub.com. Let's go back to this. is Jen Saki 
in the White House press briefing. First year in office. Um, so let's see, next January. Look, there's a lot of steps. It is six weeks away. Look, I'm not going to get into the legislative calendar. I'll leave that to Leader uh, Schumer to, to take steps on. Uh, and I'm not going to give a timeline on it, but the president obviously wants to get his Build Back Better agenda done as soon as possible. He wants to get make voting rights a reality. He wants to get police reform done. Um, he wants to ensure that the CHIPS Act passes through and we can ensure that we are taking additional steps in a bipartisan manner to address the supply chain crisis. He wants to get his nominees through. So there's a lot that he would like to see happen uh, in short order, and we're going to continue to work with leaders to do that. Go ahead. Again, that is uh, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro on this Monday. That is uh, Jen Psaki, White House press briefing. Boy, an awful lot of news there. And also the uh, sad news over the weekend that, and he is an American hero, Bob Dole has passed away. Uh, Bob Dole, without question, an American hero. Uh, did run for president in, uh, in 1996. And the country went with giving Bill Clinton another term. And then, obviously, all hell broke loose with uh, Monica Lewinsky. You also heard Jen Psaki refused to talk about the Hunter Biden business dealings. That just, like, lurks over uh, everything that is that is um, happening. Now, I also, while we are uh, at right now, uh, on this Monday, we, uh, Jesse Smollett, has taken the stand in his uh, trial. He talks about, I'm just reading directly off a tweet, Charlie DeMar, who I've actually had on the program in Chicago, uh, as far as going to a bathhouse with one of the brothers. 
Um, I don't know what. You've never been to the bathhouse? You got a private room? Oh, boy. Uh, now he's claiming that he was doing drugs and um, had some kind of relationship with one of the brothers. I'm not sure what this has to do with that night. But they would maybe they're trying to scatter, doing drugs in a bathroom. Um, so he had weed on him. Abel had the cocaine. Uh, let's see. He so he had a relationship. He claims with one of the brothers. Hmm. Now this does seem to be with his own defense attorney, by the way. So I don't know what to make of that. We'll get so he's they're trying to maybe explain his relationship with one of the brothers. I'm not exactly sure. Now, folks, close to home, Governor McKee um, had a big press briefing earlier today and announced what they're going to do with 10% of all of this COVID money. All of the COVID money, 10% of it. And it sounds like, now some of it's going to small business, but a lot of it, a lot of it sounds like it's it's just going to almost social programs initially. And they're only spending 10% of it. So they have $1 billion, So they had a big press briefing. You know, actually, as I think of it out loud, why would they be doing that? Um, so they can have... 10 more press briefings where he's giving out huge chunks of money. And it is, um, it's just so different, as many of you know. Right now, good afternoon at 157. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Just a reminder tonight, if you want to watch the Patriots game, it's going to be a big game. Patriots, Bills, Monday Night Football. Patriots right now are in the top seed in the AFC. And if they win tonight, can you imagine a first-round bye in the playoffs? They have a first-round bye and then home field advantage at Gillette. Boy, I like the sound of that. But all the action, you can catch catch it at Endzone Sports Pub, 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. Endzone Sports Pub, where they have karaoke on Friday and Saturday nights, and then on Sundays, the NFL ticket. But tonight, if you want to watch the game, with some Patriot fans, they're going to be right there. You know who else will have the game? Will be Centerdale Revival. Centerdale Revival, 2025 Smith Street, North Providence. Uh, Shane and Company, we're winner of several Rhode Island Monthly Awards. Centerdale Revival, they will have uh, the game on as well. So it's a big night. Folks, again, I encourage you to visit the website, dipetro.com, D E. P-E-T-R-O.com, official website of the independent man and depetro.com, which is brought to you by Brood Awakenings. Listening as you're running around and maybe doing some Christmas shopping, stop in. Tomorrow we're going to have David from Brood Awakenings because they've reopened the Johnson location. So they are open. Brood Awakenings. Discover the brood difference. It's fresh ingredients, cozy environment. And there's two in Johnston. There's one on Pontiac Avenue in Cranston, and then they also have Bald Hill Road and then 100 Westminster in work. Well, folks, it's 159. Again, visit the website, petro.com. We have the latest now regarding um, a lot of political news and then the latest information on the uh, latest on this young woman that was uh, tragically shot, drive-by shooting a young girl from Warwick, shot and killed in Providence. There's a big reward for those that might have information and or if there's a private investigator out there that wants to um, find out more about it. So listen, enjoy this Monday. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. And then it'll be the John Dion program. We're back later. WNRI Winsocket. W236CW. W260DC. WNRI.